Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversation and no judgment. Discuss theology and current events in an open and thoughtful setting. Say things you are too afraid to say in church. We welcome your beliefs. We welcome your ideas. Join us. Find us out on Facebook at Sacred Collective Twin Cities. Enjoy. Shall we? Let's do it. Are we ready now? Let's do this. Let's do it. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. I think this is our third go-around. Josh, our lovely host and chef extraordinaire, is going to lead us in a riveting conversation on Scientology, because we alluded to that last couple weeks ago, and when we were talking about atheism, and Josh, you said something about Scientology and how Scientology is not that weird, and then I was like, that would be a good discussion, and so I asked you if you would do that, so you're going to do that, but before we do that, we're going to introduce ourselves, and then we're going to start something fun, something different, we're going to do recommendations, so any of you listening out there in internet land so if we like a book or a movie tv show a podcast that's how i find out about half the podcasts i listen to is by listening to podcasts that will recommend a fun podcast or a book so we're gonna pay it forward so i'm gonna start my name's brian i'm caleb i'm kaylee i'm joshua i'm angela amanda and ava our young one she can't talk but she's here awesome Josh, let's jump right into it. What do you have for us, sir? So, Scientology is like the sexy subject for everyone to shit on. Um, I feel like I've listened to lots of podcasts about Scientology. I listened to Going Clear, uh, watched the Leah Rainey series, which is like an eight-hour, um, multiple documentaries about people escaping from Scientology. And that's all about like their practices, mostly, uh-huh. which, which seems strange. But their beliefs themselves don't seem that weird to me. Uh-huh. Um but, I mean, it's just, like, a lot of people don't think what Catholics do is weird, but what they've done to tens of thousands of young people is awful. And we could do a ton of documentaries about the Catholic Church, too. But we haven't yet, because Scientology's young, it's the new kid on the block, and it's kind of, it's, if it were way older, it would be way more respected than it is. Like, because, what, it's from the 50s, right? I think Wikipedia says 54 right. or yeah. 53 or something. Sounds right. Yeah. But uh, I'm not an expert in Scientology by any means, but... I think if it were 400 years old, it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be as weird as it is. Because, I mean, Mormonism is pretty weird. Yes, I mean, even what I want to get into this more after is not only Scientology, not as weird as we think it is, but our, like, our creeds and things are way weirder than we think they are. Yeah. So, um, does anyone want to read a paragraph? And then we'll switch off so I don't have to read four paragraphs. Yeah. I don't care. I can read it. So I'll read this first paragraph. This is about Scientology's beliefs from Wikipedia. Okay. Oh, Wikipedia. The Church of Scientology says that a human is immortal, is an immortal spiritual being that is resident in a physical body called a Thetan. The Thetan has innumerable past lives, and it is observed in advanced Scientology texts that lives preceding the Thetan's arrival on Earth were lived in extraterrestrial cultures. Based on case studies at advanced levels, it is predicted that any Scientologist undergoing auditing will eventually come across and recount a common series of events. Does that sound that weird so far? 
I can think of things that it's similar to, you know, it's reincarnation, immortal soul. They're completely non-denominational, so you can be a Catholic Scientologist, or you could be a Buddhist Scientologist. Mm -hmm. Um, Scientology is a list of practices that you can add on, so that's why they're Mm. non-denominational. I thought that was interesting. They're, um, let's say they're the mythology their mythology is pretty specific and doesn't exactly go hand in hand with like Christianity or they, if they say they diverge Islam from Christianity, or something like that. Um, I'm trying to think where it is. Like, because it's an, you know it's a it's an alien religion. Like, mm-hmm. it's centered around aliens and so and, and, Zenu. But I mean, I don't know if uh, Christianity and Buddhism I, I can see going together pretty easy, but Scientology and Christianity I think it's, it's a little bit of a stretch. Do we have a second one to read? Or? Yes, we do. Would anyone else like to read another paragraph? It's right on the top. According to the church, founder L. Ron Hubbard's discovery of the Thetan... Yeah, it's Thetan, right? Thetan places Scientology at the heart of the human quest for meaning and proves that its origins are as ancient as religious thought itself. However, Scientology considers that its understanding of the Thetan distinguishes it from other religious traditions especially Judaism and Christianity, in three important ways. First, while many religions fuse the concept of the body and the soul, the Thetan, which is spirit, separate and independent. Second, unlike the three great world monotheisms, Scientologists believe in past lives and that the Thetan has lived through many, perhaps thousands of lifetimes. Third, contrary to Christian concepts of original sin, Scientology holds to the intrinsic goodness of a being and believes that the spiritual essence has lost touch with its nature. The spirit, then, is not a thing, Hubbard writes. It is the creator of things. I think that's interesting, that the spirit's not a thing but a creator of things, which sounds sort of like we're all divine and we're all part of this thing. Like, it was the Heidegger who said we are the eyes of the universe observing itself, right? I believe so. Right. Um, so, like, we've consciousness finally created this thing where the universe is actually looking at itself and kind mm. of freaking out and tripping balls. And that's kind of what I think that is. Um, auditing seems really interesting because auditing is very... It's all about you. It's confessional. So an auditing is one-third of a lie detector. You basically hold these two electronic cans that are connected to a meter, mm-hmm. and the electricity goes through you and it reads <laughs> off you. It reads, basically says if you've had a... What they say is it has like a, a trauma in your life, and they just keep asking you to restate the story over and over again. So it's very confessional, and I can see why especially like celebrities would like it. Cause, well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about yourself. Tell me more about him. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you know, just more about you. And it's like, well, my favorite subject. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about this all night. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's that weird either. I, I do think it's weird that a science fiction writer wrote a uh, religion where a lot of the science comes right out of his own textbooks. So, like, Thetans comes out of a book that he wrote way before Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, Zenu, um, Audit, I don't know if auditing does. I don't think it does. I don't want to be that guy. But a couple things like the uh, the reactive mind, which is what they're trying to get rid of to suppress the reactive mind, which mm-hmm. is kind of your baser instincts of just being like, well, if I can kill that guy for a piece of bread, uh-huh. that's mm-hmm. what I do. Um, so they're trying to get rid of the reactive mind, and I, that's also in his writings, his science fiction writings. He's also the most prolific author of, in history. Wow. He's over a thousand published works. So he still has the Guinness Book of World Records for the most book ever published, which I think is bizarre. And if 
I don't know. I feel like that would be like, if he's such a good storyteller, uh-huh. this story is a really interesting story. You know, Just because you wrote a lot doesn't mean all of his stories are A-plus works. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Quality versus quantity. And also, Thetan sounds like Satan with a lisp. Carry on. That's all I'm going to hear about the entire time. Hello, Satan. Hello, Thetan. All right, next next paragraph. That's awesome. <laughs> you derailed it, so it, and now it's going back on the describes itself as the study of spirit. Is that where yeah. we are? Okay. Scientology describes itself as the study and handling of the spirit in relation to itself, others, and all of life. Scientologists also believe that people have innate yet suppressed power and the ability, which an ability which can be regained if cleared of enforced and unwanted behavior patterns and discomforts. Scientology is described as a religion to help people use scientific approaches to self-actualize their full potential. Believers reach their full potential when they understand themselves in their true relationship to the physical universe and the supreme being. There have been many scholarly studies of Scientology, and the books are freely available in bookshops, churches, and most libraries. All right. Um, so, so far, I mean, it really, I don't know, if you, because we're not burdened by the, the concept of literalism with Scientology, we just all think it's weird. Like, we're like, wait, a science fiction writer made a science fiction religion? Um, that, yeah, I think practices are, are more of what people are interested in, but I don't think the beliefs are that weird. Yeah. It doesn't seem that strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else read, so paragraph right on top. The Church of Scientology believes that man is basically good, he is seeking to survive, and that his survival depends on himself and his attainment of brotherhood with the universe, as stated in the Creed of the Church of Scientology. Roy Wallace of Columbia University describes Scientology as a movement that straddles the boundaries between psychology and religion, offering a graded hierarchy of auditing and training with the intention of releasing the individual's full potential. Yeah, it's kind of like just self-actualizing, like being the best version of you mm-hmm. you could be, which we just watched Lady Bird, and it just sounds like your, your terrible mother telling you, I want you to be the best version of you you can be, which really means I want you to be exactly what I want you to be. Right. Yeah, we just saw it last night, and the mom is telling, yeah, is telling her kind of rebellious daughter, I, you know, I'm not being a pain in the ass. Like, I just want you to be the best version you could be. And the daughter goes, what if this is the best version? And the mom just kind of looks aghast. Yeah. And then the girl dropped the mic. And yeah. But no, I mean, that's. I have stories upon stories of uh, conversations similar to that that I've had with my mom. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a great response. Mm-hmm. What if this is the best version? Mm-hmm. Who are you to dictate what my right. best version is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That so is good. Two story, yeah. more paragraphs. I'll read one. Anyone else want to read the second one? Uh, Scientology does not require that members must exclusively believe in Scientology, distinguishing it from biblical religions. Scientologists may profess belief in other religions such as Protestantism. I don't know why it says Protestant and Catholicism. You could say Christianity. And maybe participate in their activities and sacred rites. Um, Jacob Nauser, Nauser, sorry, sorry about your name, dude, uh, emphasizes this in the section Scientology in his book World World Religions in America. 
It says, according to J. Gordon Melton, Scientologists aim to utterly make the world instead of taking refuge from it, um, as they participate in culture instead of being isolated. Scientology is inherently non-denominational and open to individuals regardless of religious background. According to Mary A. Mann, it, co- it contains the elements necessary for a global religion and caters to people of all different ethnicities, educational, upbringing, etc. Wilson writes that Scientology constitutes a religious system set forth in the terms of scientific discourse. Hubbard similarly states that along with science, Scientology can achieve positive invariable results. Given the same conditions, one always gets the same results. What has happened is the superstition has been subtracted from spiritual studies. So that's why they have the Church of Scientology, the Church of... uh I think it's the technicians, or scientific, like scientific technicians, is part of their thing because they're trying to actually get rid of it. I mean, Hubbard actually birthed like the self-help movement, you know, the book mm. Dianetics, and it was like almost like a whole person breakthrough kind of thing. Like you see people saying all the time, like this will make you great. I think it's interesting in that I think the first paragraph you were talking about how it says, you know, we're open to all creeds and all educational backgrounds, and I would like. To challenge that fact of saying, are they open to all economic backgrounds? Because it costs yeah. a shitload of yes. money to be a Scientologist. One one thing I was going to say, what Amanda and I were talking about on the way over, is anything can be constituted as a religion in America. It does not take really that much background no, no, to be uh, John. We, it, John no, John um, Oliver. John Oliver did it. Yeah, it. yeah. After Trump got elected, and it's super easy to do. It's always been interesting to, for me what I like. I like studying, watching documentaries, reading books on on these like offshoot weird religious, uh-huh. whether it's a cult, whether it's whatever. And I feel like Scientology, kind of what Angela was saying, is it a religion? No, it's a group of rich people who, because it predominantly, if you go to most people on the corner and you t- ask them what Scientology is, they're going to say it's a religion that a bunch of people in Hollywood or the higher elite of one or one or two percenters can do because the one thing that Leah Remini said in, like, in her documentary, and I've read the Going Clear by Lawrence Wright, which is a phenomenal book, it's for the rich people. Like, I mean, it costs thousands mm-hmm. upon thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I think you can get to like the OT8 or something like that, which is the highest... But they're like, if you paid for what the church wants you to do, you're looking at a couple million dollars. And and, and L. L Ron Hubbard has even said the greatest way to make money in America is to start a religion. So in my opinion, he started the religion to say, how many gullible people can I get to give me money in this thing? And it's just caught on like wildfire. And let's be real. Religion, Christianity, Judaism, everything. What it comes back to is people want community, and they're gonna people are gonna find community any which way, whether it's religion or not. So I think the Scientologists—they're a bunch of rich people in Hollywood, and maybe not in Hollywood, but in New York or wherever—and they're like, "Hey, we're in this exclusive group that no one else can be in, and there's not anything that anyone can do." And also, which is creepy. When you try to leave Scientology, they actually have people like thugs follow you mm-hmm. and make you feel like an absolute a-hole for leaving. And like they will continually follow you, and then you'll be like, 
well, I'm going to sue you if not. And then they're all lawyered up, this Church of Scientology, and they're like, well, no, if you sue us, we're going to counter sue you and we're going to destroy your life. I think most religions, like if I was like, F Christianity, I'm going to leave it, pulled out my membership from my church, they're not going to sue me. They're not going to stake people out on the corner of my house yeah, and de- say, It depends on the denomination you're part of. I mean, look at Fred Phelps' church. That's a dating. Well, really, is that a church? Yeah, I mean, it's it's more, probably God more hates of fags, that guy. That terrible. Westboro? Westboro. Oh, that okay. Church. Yes. Um, I want to say I'm not, I don't, <laughs> that yeah, sounded really he, bad. He God hates fags, that's just his website. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I mean, they do that. You know, and they're still considered like they're still harbored by all the protections of Christianity. You know what I mean? Not not saying that all Christianity is like that, obviously. Yes, yeah. Um Because I'm sure there are good Scientologists, but you don't join a cult. Like you don't do that knowingly. You're like, this is going to be awesome. Uh, and I'm going to drink the Kool Aid, and they're going to. I'm going to be a slave. It's going to be great. Like we were just watching movie, a, Wild Wild Country. We were Netflix. just watching a documentary on James on Jonestown about that. How like people who are like, well, you don't join a cult. Like we were doing some really. It makes sense to you at first, and well, it's like you're like, wow, this this community, especially Jonestown, like it was a community that was multicultural, and they were doing a lot of good in the community. They were taking care of elders. They were doing all the stuff that a good church is supposed to do. Uh-huh. But it was all a lie, you know. Not saying that Scientology is like Jonestown either. <laughs> Clipping yeah. Well, the guy, what was his name? Um, from Jonestown what was his? Jim Jones. Yeah, well, he started as a DOC, a Disciples of Christ um, uh, pastor, which I know I've talked to people in the Disciple of Christ. They're like, that's a black eye on, on that. Because, uh, but the guy... He was a megalomaniac. He just wanted power. He probably what we would have would say now he had mental illness issues. And he was on a ton of drugs, buttload of drugs. Yes, yes, he was. I would say Elron Hubbard wouldn't be too far away from that. No, I wouldn't either. I feel like if Elron Hubbard was here today, because I when he he died a long time ago. I want to like eighties, and so dying almost thirty some years ago. I feel like now if he was here and was asked to, like, defend Scientology as his religion, he would have a piss-poor job of doing that. And I feel like he would probably say, I just made this shit up <laughs> as I went. Because, like, I read some of his stuff. It does not make a whole lot of sense at all. And I'm not saying Christi- like Christianity... There's a lot of things in Christianity that don't make sense. Yeah. There's a lot of things in the Bible that don't make sense. There's a lot of things. But there's also, like, I also say to people, you don't need to believe everything in the Bible as factual or true to mean that it's important to you in some sort of way. Well, I think you can make the same, the same for Dianetics. You can say that, too. It's just you're way younger. Because you know? what, I, what I wanted to talk about is other things that are weird to us in Christianity that I... What's what's weird to you guys in Christianity? Because oh, lots all of, of us, stuff. All of us grew up in in, in the Christian home, like context. Yeah, you know, and all of us either either still faithful or have left the faith or are slowly returning to the faith or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what what's weird to all of us? That's what I want to look at. Good question. Fun question. This is a good question. Well, the concept of communion—it's a strange thing, even in in, even, in it, what context, though. Well, not our context now, but back then. So you're talking before well, the Reformation Catholics. Mm-hmm. So transubstantiation. So you're eating the actual body, the actual flesh of Christ, yes. and drinking his real blood. Yes. Yeah. yeah That's that. a very strange concept. Even or even when when it first when it first was, you know, instated. That's a not something Jewish people would have No, yeah, when I, when I first read <laughs> so, that, yeah. um, like, after going like to seminary, really reading that, like, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, I'm like, a Jew wouldn't say that. That would be like, 
have this feces in a corpse. <laughs> and you're like, hey, I don't know. Yeah, so it is, a, well, and then the fact that we've been arguing about consubstantiation versus transubstantiation for like thousands of years. At least 500, yeah. Well, yeah, you're right, at least 500, you're right. But <laughs> we can pretend like it's thousands, I mean, I believe, it seems I, like it has been. But, I mean, people are like, yeah, breaking up, you know, like people are coming to blows over this. People are fighting over this. Yep. It's really not that big of a deal. It, it's, it's supposed to bring us together, not draw us apart. And exactly. That's the but I, Yeah, and I agree. And the, the concept of drinking blood and, and flesh is also. <laughs> yeah. I, always, I always, as a kid, wanted to go up, like when I had my first communion in, in Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, I was like in eighth grade, and I wanted to go up there and be like. Like and like talking like this, like Dracula. Please, I will take my communion now. And like, but I knew my parents wouldn't murder me, so I didn't do it. But the whole time, Uh, they're like, "Here's the blood given for you." Oh, thank you. I like drink it, but I didn't. No, I'm regret that I did. It's, it is no, bizarre. I it's weird. I, I regret that you didn't do that either. Yeah, I know. It's so awesome. Even as like a pastor, I would have been like, "Yeah, that's pretty good." And, yeah, I can't be mad at it's that. It's also kind of weird that they pulled the Eucharist from that random Bible story. They could have easily just have have had like there could be a uh, a ritual where we, you know, eat fish and loaves of bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they chose uh, some well, story they and turned it into a ritual. Well, that just gets the church all smelly of fish, and no one wants that. Cyrus yeah. had a ritual where you would drink a beer and eat bread. There you go. I'm in there. So, well, so they switch it to wine and flesh, you know, blood and flesh. Yeah. Well, I just but, mean they chose like a story of the Bible, just like Jesus with the five loaves. Yeah. You know, or is it five fish and what is, what's five, five loaves and two fish? Five loaves and two fish. You know, and, KJ five two. That's how I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that uh, bread, a breadcrumb and fish. No, he didn't get his name from I that. KJ Factor, yeah. That's so that stupid. Funny. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for making me more angry at this. He wrote a song to Eminem called Dear Slim. Dose songs. He wrote Dose. Wow. Oh. He wrote a bottle. P.S. <laughs> Part two. Part two, Slim. I think one thing, first of all, I'll preface it with. I think a lot of things in the Bible, like the Eucharist, is supposed to be a metaphor, not really saying we're really eating the blood and in the flesh of Christ. And I know that people fight over that, but it's I think I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is wherever Jesus is, and being like see, like doing a face palm, like really people, like you're arguing about this. Like I I don't even care about this. Why do you care about it? Well, I, th- I think from like. From my perspective, as like a historical scholar, I would say a Jew would never say that in the first place. Well, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, you know, so like, who put these words in the mouth of the Lord? <laughs> you know, like, is this kosher? Yeah, obviously. Blood. <laughs> is this is kosher? kosher? Yeah. That was kind of racist. Sorry. That's, and he's, he sounds like from he's the Bronx. He says kosher. That was my Jewish accent. Just to clarify, he's from Kuwait. I'm from Brooklyn, but you know, that's. That's like one of those things I see um, in the scriptures that I'm like, a Jew wouldn't say that. Because in America, Jesus was never a Jew. He was always a Christian. It's yeah, like, yeah. how could he be a meist? You know, it's like the Buddha wasn't a Buddhist. No, no. You know? Well, that, but even like, a Paul gets a bad rap, and Paul has said some 
stupid and shitty things in the Bible, but I don't know if it was that revolution or wherever if Jay was saying it or maybe it was in Rob Bell. Some, some smart person had said that there's like, no, seriously, there's like four kind of ideas and ideations of Paul that we just see in books that are attributed to Paul. Yes, so it's like... The three Pauls, yeah. So it's like what Paul wrote what, like, was there... And we all attribute it kind we, of to... What, like, we, what we mean by what Paul is are actually three different authors that have written the books attributed to the Apostle Paul. Right. And so it's like people will say, oh, well, Paul said this and Paul said that. And I think what it gets down to is that, that nice fancy theologian word of hermeneutics, which is the art and science of interpretation... And I would say most Christians or people who claim to be Christians don't want to look at their hermeneutics, don't want to be like Josh studying like historical Christianity or, you know, the scholars who do that. Because I, I, I would think most scholars, whether they're conservative or liberal, whatever their persuasion is, is would say, yeah, the Bible's a very tough book to understand. You shouldn't believe it willy-nilly. And you should ask tough questions. But some questions we might not under, ever understand, like, my question I was going to throw out, and I've had numerous pastors, numerous professors at seminary say, the, one of the biggest thorns in the side for Christians is to describe the Trinity. That was on. That was and, what I was going to say is the most confusing. And, and like, to, yeah, people confusing. talking about the Spirit is with you and let the Spirit talk to you. Well, is Jesus talking to me? Is Papa God talking to me? No. Is the Holy Spirit somebody? Quit laughing, Joshua. Um, Papa God! I can't say Papa God with a straight face! I know, I can't! can't Is the Holy Spirit like. If I'm talking to the Holy Spirit, there's always like, okay, got it! And then runs up to God and is like, Angel said this. And like, but then they're the same person. Right. And I just, I still don't understand. Well, and how it was described to me by my father, rest in peace, Dad. And maybe it was described to him that way because he was raised Lutheran. Is I would remember because I grew up with some as a God, so they're very all like spirit, spirit, spirit. And I'm not saying that's bad; that's just their jam. And I was like, "What? Is, how does the Holy Spirit work?" Because I said, even as a teenager, I was like reading in the Bible. People claimed that Christians were mono or tritheists because we say we believe in one God, but yet we say God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And they're like, well, that's three. We can do basic arithmetic. Uh, I'm confused. And my dad was like, so there's God. So there's like the head honcho. He'd be like the father. And then he had a son, which is Jesus. And then he has the Holy Spirit. And so when you pray, it goes to the Holy Spirit. Then it goes to Jesus. Then it goes to like God, which is like a crazy game. It was like a crazy game. It was like a telephone. telephone. Exactly. If it's like a family thing, is the Holy Spirit like the uncle or something? Uh, Apparently. But but my issue (laughs) with praying, you're like, Jesus, I want blessings. And then it goes to Jesus. It's like, Jesus, they want bananas. And then it gets to God. It's like, they ate bananas <laughs> on a purple dinosaur, and it's like right. What? Yeah, well, but then, like my thing, what I had said to my dad was, I was more confused because I was like, so why did so when Jesus died on the cross to save everyone from humanity, but didn't? And if Jesus was God, then Jesus, then God killed himself. Well, no, that's not what it is at all. It's not what it's saying. I said that's legitimately what happened on the cross. That's yeah. why a lot of people will say so there is no God, because if Jesus crucified, got crucified and died, which I believe happened, 
and Jesus is God, and it says no one comes to the Father except through me, which Jesus said that. Then he gets murdered on the cross, and surprise, he raises to the dead. So that means for three days within history, God was dead. There was no God. And so then you start saying that to people, and they're like, whoa, you're just speaking heresy. I'm like, no, I'm just reading the gospel stories during the scripture. So that's why when I talk about the Trinity, I don't give a shit about understanding the Trinity. I don't. I don't because because I know that uh, to me like do is there a Father Son Holy Spirit Yes Can anybody articulately formulate a good thing for it No Can the people say formulate against it Not really Yeah I don't know (laughs) I don't He just made a throwing the book on the ground motion I don't really feel like the Trinity should be like even that big of a deal It's not even in the Bible It's a an, an extrapolation. You know, and it, if it straight up said God is one in three persons, like in, Blessed in you know, like if it's such a it's it's a translation, it's an extrapolation, it's a you know, like I don't I don't believe in the Trinity, and I don't feel like, and I'm a Christian, and I don't think that it should be that big of a doctrinal issue to where it it can be heretical. To say that the tra- the traditional view of the Trinity is n- not the only way to interpret the Bible in Scripture. Yeah, when, when I hear people talk about the Trinity, no matter how, like from Moltmann, like talking about the very complicated things about the Trinity. You're in Moltmann, by the way. I'm usually like, I don't know what that means, but I'm pretty sure that's bullshit. <laughs> like, I think that's a safe thing to say around the Trinity. So, and also, on piggybacking off the Trinity, the ransom theory of atonement. Always mm. seemed like just mm. what bonkers to me. So what's that? The ransom theory of atonement is that basically Satan had kind of held us captive, and so God had to sacrifice Himself to atone for our sins. Mm-hmm. So He ran, He ransomed us. I never learned theory. that in Lutheran yeah. church. That's because they were like, "Well, it sounds yeah. weird." Yeah, they were probably right in that assessment. This sounds weird. So. When I first it's saw done. the movie, the 1984 Terminator movie, yes, I was like, "This seems just like the gospel." And people were like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, the gospel according to Terminator. Please tell me, please tell me, I want to hear this so bad. Like, so, <laughs> so here it is. So we screw up because we don't listen to God. So we have this sin that makes us unacceptable to God. So God has to basically go on a suicide mission himself because he knows the future to save us from a fiery hell. So he knows the future. He knows what what, what, what day is it called Terminator 2? Judgment Day? Judgment Day. There you go. Literally, Judgment Day. So that's the time 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 thought. So Judgment Day is coming and God needs to save us. So God sends himself (laughs) into our world to die for our sins. It seems like a crazy science fiction movie. Um, so why why was this the best way? Like, so God demanded a blood ransom for us? Like, that just seems bonkers to me. So mm-hmm. the most powerful being in our universe, according to our scriptures, mm-hmm. can't find another way than being like, well, I guess I better become one of you and then get murdered. It's just so you won't go to hell forever. Yeah, right. Couldn't you just be like, why don't you just start not at hell and just don't create that part? Because if hell is real, God had to create it, which seems... So sadistic and messed up. Right. If God went through the, be like, well, you're only going to be on Earth for like maybe two to hundred years. That's how much you're going to be there. But if you're not on my team, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to burn in hell forever. <laughs> like, even if you're Jeffrey Dahmer, how, like, for forever? Like, it, for all time, infinite, for the yeah. entire existence of your being, you will just be tortured. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That still doesn't seem fair to me. But I know people who think God didn't create hell, Satan created hell. How did, you ever think God gave Satan the power to create hell, right. so it's still well, God. It all comes back. But he yeah. was, wasn't he like the most beloved angel, yeah. so God bestowed that's upon a, him that's what That's the mythology. It's not in the, there's okay. nothing in the scriptures that says... God says, you're my favorite, beep, 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 and he like powers... Satan up to no, yeah, to, and then he turns on him. I mean, that, that was the story I was told. Yeah, like no. he was one of God's like close buds, <laughs> and then he turned flight. on him, and then he created hell and sent himself to hell. The, <laughs> mytho- the mythology. I, I'm more. This is an interesting take on. <laughs> I, I, well, I don't know no, that one. Well, I feel like the mythology and like what I was told too. Even I was brought up kind of close and you were Lutheran, mm-hmm. but it was more like Satan. Like, when God created everything, then he created angels. He didn't create demons. He created angels, so, like, his helpers, helpmates, whatever. Right. And then there was the revolt, because apparently Lucifer, yes. Lucifer, which was not a bad name, it was actually supposed to be, like, a holy name. The where light. Yeah, where, like, he was, like, the, what you would say, like, the direct, not the director, but, like... He was, like, in charge of, like, pretty, he was, like, God's right-hand man. Kind of like, maybe Judas or kind of that parallel anyway he was like i want to be more pop i want to be just as powerful as you god and god's like uh yeah you can't do that and then kind of like oh well i'm gonna have more power than you and god was like "Mm, you're not gonna you know do the things i want you to do so i created this funky place called hell and we're going <laughs> to okay. go there. I've never heard of hell described as funky place. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I'm not okay. saying that's how it happened, but that is what a lot of us that's, yeah, that's This is perfect. Okay. This is perfect. In a thousand years, Xenu is not going to be that weird. <laughs> like if Lucifer say, isn't weird, then Xenu. Well, well, is Xenu the new Lucifer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Lucifer's been changed into something he's not. Like even the word Satan, Satanas, means the adversary. Yeah, the deceiver. Not the deceiver, the adversary. Um, which doesn't it doesn't even have a connotation because you'd be like the one who keeps what you is, accountable. What does Beelzebub mean? I don't know, but that's that was a different being. Beelzebub and Satan were not the same. Aren't they? Isn't Beelzebub like a, just a powerful demon? A, a powerful spirit. I don't know if yeah. demon was the right word. But the same, with, same with Baal. You know, <laughs> the same with Baal or a succubus. Yeah, it'd be a, a spirit. But uh, succubuses aren't in scripture. They're in right. They're in the like Jewish supplemental scriptures. You know, um, the oh shit, Talmud. You know, right? Succubus. Yeah, they're from Greek mythology, right? Well, and uh, Lilith. The okay. first, the first uh, woman okay. that God created, it's not, Deuter, not in our Bible, not canonical right? books. Uh, but Lilith was the first, uh, first woman. But she wanted to be like Adam, to be man. And I think I, I don't know exactly what it is, but she wanted to have sex on top, and that was considered like disrespectful. Uh. And so she was cast out. And so she and then started Lilith Fair. Yep. <laughs> Right Thank after you. that's actually where they, that's where they got that's exactly how Lilith that's, Fair happened. I wanted no, to that's go how they to took the name. Fair no, I know that's how they took the name. But I like, thought it'd be so cool when that happened thousands of years ago. They're like, I'm going to create a festival called Lilith Fair in the future. Done. When I was like a little like ten year old kid, I was like, Can I go to Lilith Fair? And I was like, No. Yeah. Oh, that's just the Lilith is in. If you if you grew up Jewish, you would have heard about Lilith. Okay. Um, just like. 
we hear about Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, and like, what kind of fruit was it? It doesn't say, but we all think it's an apple. It's you know, just apple. If you, I had a professor at North Central. Yes, I'm calling out North Central University. Who <laughs> got fired? He so got spicy. he got fired because he and he's an Old Testament prop. He actually was hired by one of the new interpretations of the Bible to write Kings. Like he's that smart, man. You know who I'm talking. About. <laughs> he he was that smart. He got fired because he said Adam and Eve. We don't even know if it was a real fruit. We definitely know it's not an apple because apples don't grow in that part of the world. They just, whoever was the author, they probably wrote apple because they're like, people are going to know what apples are. Because mm-hmm. apples are grown most places in the world. There's some places, like in the Middle East, apples just don't grow. This guy got fired because the higher-ups were like, you can't take the factual story of the Bible which was like an apple and, and throw it out. So even getting back to like scripture and, and all these things, like we've talked about Trinity and Lilith and all this stuff, you mess with people's interpretations of what scripture is, they lose everything. They lose all sanity and credibility. That's why you shouldn't hold scripture with such a tight mm. stranglehold. So going back to your Lilith comment, so here's a, here's a paragraph for you. In Jewish folklore from the satirical book, Alphabet and Sirach, from... Circa 700 to 1,000 onwards, Lilith appears as Adam's first wife, who was created at the same time, Rosh Hashanah, and from the same dirt as Adam. Compared to Genesis 127, with this contrast, Eve, who was created from Adam's ribs. So she's subservient to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the legend developed extensively during the Middle Ages, uh, in different traditions, and Jewish mysticism. For example, in the 13th century writings of Isaac ben Jacob HaKohen, uh, Lilith left Adam after she refused to become subservient to him and would not return to the Garden of Eden after she coupled with the archangel Samuel. Spoiler! Um, yeah, well, Lilith yeah. was... She's a badass. Well, just like if you look back in the older scriptures, uh, God, we did not come from a monotheistic religion. It was dualistic. Uh, Yahweh had a wife, Ashra, but it's been, it was taken out of the scriptures subtly. It's still in some of the Old Testament if you just read carefully. It's still there. But it was the female side of everything else. There was still a dualism. Um, and then that got rooted out later on. But still in, wow. still in some books of the Old Testament, you'd be like, wait, who's Ashra? Oh, God's wife. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's well, what I've always thought that Ashra was supposed to be, you know, like a part of the, the, you know, the religions that everybody was supposed to, you know, be fighting against when they went to the, to the promised land, you know, or where, and, I, and I'm totally making this up right now. I, I, I but... Whenever I would hear something about Ashra, that Ashra would be like one of the gods that the other, you know, the surrounding peoples were believing in, or something. Do you do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Cause, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like I'm not making sense. No. So. No. It makes it makes perfect sense okay. to me at least. Okay. Because I'm like I, I'm not sure how I'm trying to say this or where, like how to make it more. Yeah. Make how to make more sense, but. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, I was quickly trying to find where the reference is still in the Old Testament. I can't. I don't know. I mean, we derailed from Scientology, but I think that was on <laughs> <laughs> Because we started talking about the weird things in Christianity that we just take for granted. Yeah. But if someone like really grilled us on that, we'd be like, "Yeah, okay, it's fucking weird. I don't, I don't know. Right. You know, I don't know why I believe it." But, but I think that's there. in every religion. Yeah. True. It's yeah. not just it's not just Christianity. That's so when, then why pick up the new kid on the wall? <laughs> 
That's I'm yeah. not good Scientology. Yeah, I'm not good with the abuse and the sexism and the misogyny. If someone, if someone, if someone who is pro Scientologist, I mean, crusades happened, you know. If someone who is pro, are you a Scientology sympathizer? <laughs> get out! That's actually your own house. So I have to get out. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming. Tommy. Tommy. I was gonna say we're. You know Tom Cruise is going to... Yeah. He chose Tom Scientology over the priesthood. What? It's actual, yeah. He was going to go into the priesthood, and then when he moved out to Hollywood, his first wife, who was a Scientologist, got him into it. And he's never Nicole left. Kidman? No, he was married before that. He was oh. married to... That was like Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> her, her, uh, her father is actually a famous psychologist, and so mm. they were very shunned in Scientology. Because mm. Elrond oh. Hubbard hated Psychology, because he yeah. wrote Dianetics. And thought it would be like a psychological breakthrough. Right. Mm-hmm. They were like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> and so he was super bitter. But yeah, it. but I think most religions, and I mean, not just the big, you know, big three of the, the Abrahamic religions, but I think you could look at Buddhism, Hinduism, all these other ones, and I, you could say, like, I think most adherents don't believe in every little. Thing jot and tittle within yeah. it, just like just I think like in Christianity we don't God believe. God in the dirt and creates us. Like that sounds yeah. weird, right? Yeah. So, and I think a lot of people say that they believe in those things, and but when you really boil it, down, when it really they just g- think they're really man, you really really think that that happened. Well, some people are do that, you know. Because um, I mean, people think Scientology is a cult, but the Romans thought Christianity was a cult. You know, I mean, you can just say I want a cookie. I did. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. No one can see that they're delicious. Cameron can't, can't understand. Me. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, Scientology. I mean, I don't. I'm not an expert on it. Uh, there's some really freaky things about it that are weird. But I also think it. It. The best part about that <clears throat> is it gives us a point to be like, wait, there's some freaky stuff about things oh, yeah. that we just believe that we're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we mm-hmm. don't really believe those things. No. But they're part of our they're part of our faith tradition, and obviously none of us are literalists, so we're not really worried. Because I mean, if we think about how worried you would be if you were a literalist and you had to go through like, yeah, God did that, that happened that way, mm-hmm. you'd be like, you'd be. I mean, no wonder they're so defensive. Poor people getting mm-hmm. kicked around all yep. the time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I well came. What made me realize to me personally, I'm not speaking for all people or all Christianity, why I can't believe in hell, especially. Being a parent, you know, when people are like, well, you know, God doesn't send you to hell. You send yourself to hell. I mean, I was told that so many times. So many times, which is which is a cop-out. I've said to my mom, to my brother, I've said it to so many people, friends, family, whatever, who will say that stuff. And I'm not, I, I, I don't condemn people for thinking that because that's just how they were taught. And it's hard to get out of that. But now with my own daughter, I'm thinking, there is nothing Ava can do now at this age in her life till the day she dies that's going to separate me from my love for her and to say, you rejected the way I wanted you to understand me or to love me, so I'm going to send you not just for a little bit, not just for a hot minute, but for all of eternity to Mm -hmm. you to be rejected away from me. I said, that's the ultimate not form of love yeah. that Jesus does not espouse. And I really feel like hell was something early Christian, early Christians, people who were like running this quote-unquote religion, because Jesus never wanted to start a religion at all. 
that they made up to be like, hey, you don't agree with our faith. You don't agree with our way. There's this place we created called hell, and that's where you're going to go. What is the laziest form of thinking to say, like, well, what if we're right and you're wrong? Like, I hear that all the time. Oh, absolutely. Like, well, yeah, but what if we're right? Right. And sometimes, like, what if 14-year-old Joshua was right? And I am going to burn some comical hell. <laughs> Get poked by pitchfork for all eternity. Yeah, well, our our concept of hell mostly comes from Dante. Yeah. yeah. You know, mostly comes from the Middle Ages. It really, yeah, it does, yeah. You know, like that's where the, the wicked tears and the wonder tales and all that. Creepy stuff. Weaving and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. There's some gnarly, when I studied art history in college, there are some gnarly paintings. If you look up paintings about Dante, whoa! <laughs> Your life will be changed if you look those up. Is the, oh shit, I don't want to say Bible in Latin. Is it Biblia? Biblia Gigas, the Devil's Bible? Shit, we'll go with that. So we'll go with Yeah, that. anyway, there's <laughs> there's a giant picture of Satan depicted in the middle of it, like it's with some monk uh, had made it. It's actually quite a beautiful book, but the picture of Satan is gnarly. Oh, yeah? Do we want to wrap up or keep going, or what? Do you want to I do put my anything? daughter to Does anyone soon? else have anything they want to say on Before Scientology? Before our recommendations. Or, yeah. And then recommendations. Oh, yeah. Or any questions about Scientology that we... I, I'm not an expert, but I did mm-hmm. do quite a bit of research. Yeah. I mean, if we okay. want to venture into this again, we can do Scientology Part 2. Awesome. But yeah. I think this is a, a good start. Yeah. yeah. I think it's good Part to two. point out that the beliefs themselves are not that bizarre compared to any other, other religions' actual sure. beliefs. And I also think it's important to say that it, that does not at all make it okay to you know to be abusive, abusive and, and right yeah all the, the negative stuff that's actually seen it's the human element really yeah I guess well and I think what in what Americans need to realize especially Christian Americans is when people say you're appealing on my religious freedom that doesn't our constitution wasn't just saying for Christians in fact most of the people who signed the constitution weren't even Christians, they were deists mm-hmm. or, and all that deism is in its understanding is you have to believe in some sort of higher power. It could be God, it could be the almighty shoe, it could be Satan, it could be God, it could be some sort of Scientology. That was the whole thing is saying when you come to America you can worship anything or anyone or nothing at all and be fine with it. So when Christians are like, oh well, we're getting religiously persecuted, no, you just get mad because not everyone thinks like you. Or wants to be like you. Mm-hmm. So, yes, as much as I don't like Scientology and I think they're batshit crazy, you, a person does have to respect them because within our own constitution of our own country, they're afforded the freedom to practice what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, But there's some scary, uh, you know, there's still some scary shit around it with the... Especially if you live in Hollywood and you're in that culture... <laughs> And then you try to get out, and right. your career is ruined. You have to move somewhere else. And, I mean, that's not unakin to Mormonism in, in Salt Lake City, I guess. Well, could you in imagine if Tom Cruise quit Scientology? Oh, I think the whole thing would fall apart. Yeah. Right. Well, he almost did when he was married to uh, Nicole Kidman. He's almost mm-hmm. out. He would never I mean, be in another movie. I don't, I don't think it should be illegal to practice Scientology, but I don't think we oh, have to. Free. I don't think you have to respect them. <laughs> I don't respect. Scientology. I don't think churches should be tax. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Josh. I don't think any religion should be tax exempt because it's Same. ridiculous. Well, especially with such a cop out. Right. 
It makes sense for struggling congregations who are just starting out. It doesn't make sense for churches that have been there for 150 years and have millions. Or Joel Olstein's church. Yeah. 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 That means yeah. that they He rides in on his gold yacht. Yeah. He's you know, tax so. exempt. Yeah. My tax exempt private jet. Yeah. yeah. I need for ministry purposes. So yeah. I minister to people on my golden yacht. Let's do recommendations because my young one's slowly falling asleep with my wife. Um, recommendations. This is something new or started, but I think a lot of us here at the table are into whether it's a movie, TV show, book, whatever. I find I have two recommendations. Let's keep it at two at, at the max. The two that I have to say, one that I love is the documentary I just watched on Netflix. I binged it this week called Wild Wild Country, and it was a it's about a cult. They wouldn't say that they're a cult, um, but they they're called the Ranjishis, and they were founded technically by this guy. His name his name was Bagwan, and I forget the whole full name. But he said he wasn't like a religious teacher, but he wanted to create like a new human consciousness. And but pretty much what it was it was like a hodgepodge of like hippies religious people really all that it was was people wanting to be in community and it was this really in-depth like six-part series so it's like each episode's an hour long and what happened was they moved from india because mysteriously like overnight like the, the the heads up like this cult leader and like 25 people moved without telling the rest of the commune that they were leaving because the the heads up of india the government were going to shut them down because they were like, you're just being weird and crazy. So then they bought this land in Oregon in this small town called Antelope of like 50 people. They bought 80,000 acres and they wanted to create their own utopia. And the, the, not to give a lot of it away, but it just shows you how weird and like sex and orgies and drugs but really what it came down to is they talked to even to people to this day who are part of this group, this religious weird cult, and they're like, we just wanted community. So it was really fascinating. It was like, if you have six hours to give on a weekend or whatever, it's just a fascinating... It's about church. It's kind of like church and state, like who has religious freedom, who doesn't. That's fascinating. Excuse me, the other recommendation, and I would just say this to anybody, read the book, The Very Worst Missionary by Jamie Wright. She's really popular right now like on podcasts and stuff, and that's how I found out about her. But I bought her book, highly recommended. I'm a couple chapters into it. But she was a woman who, with her husband and her family, moved down to Costa Rica to become missionaries. And as soon as she got down there, and they were missionaries for I don't know how long, she realized, what have I gotten myself into? Like, this is stupid. And her whole thing now, she wrote a blog on how she got popular. It was called The Very Worst Missionary. And she rails against short-term missions. She rails against Americans always American Christians having this idea and understanding that we're the most important people. It's it's not about them and those people. It's more about her own kind of sick psychological, like, they need us. They need our Mm, help. And I like it because she's super vulgar and... (laughs) It's like a kindred spirit. So, those two things. 
Um, my recommendation is also a podcast. Um, it was recommended to me by my friend Christina. Um, it's called You Must Remember This by Karina Longworth. Um, it's stories about the golden age of Hollywood, and they're insanely interesting. And Karina has such a soothing, wonderful voice that I love listening to when I'm like winding down after her day at Food Shelf. Um, and she has really interesting um, series that she has done. I know the one I started listening to is called Dead Blondes. And it's talking about different, basically starting with Marilyn Monroe and then talking about these different women who wanted to be Marilyn. And mm. it started like this whole like archetype of like the dumb blonde or like the over sexualized blonde. And like going from even people before Marilyn Monroe, like Jean Harlow, um, back to like the 1920s and then up through the 1980s. Um, it's really interesting. And then the most recent um, series she did was about Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi. They're most famous for, for portraying Frankenstein's monster and Dracula. Um, I highly recommend that series to anyone even if you're not a horror fan it's really interesting hearing about cinema in the 1930s and how it was trying to push these boundaries that it has never really dealt with before and how something super trivial to us now like if you watch old black and white universal monster movies you're like Ugh, boring like whatever but i mean it was a big deal when they came out and they were mm, super yeah. controversial and um one specific episode that I found really interesting was Bella Lugosi's um, personal relationship with the uh, defunct movie producer Ed Wood. Um, very, very interesting story. So if you would you start listening to You Must Remember This, which I highly recommend that you do, um, I would start with the episode about Bella, Go Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood because it's insanely interesting, super weird, super entertaining. I would concur. I've listened to that, and it was very thought-provoking. I would just recommend two podcasts. One, Deep Roots with Mark Mancinwick, and the other is Air of Grievances. Ooh, man. So those two <laughs> podcasts would be great. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in some of the same stuff we've been talking about tonight. Okay, so I don't listen to podcasts, so I feel like I'm an odd person. But you're on a podcast. You're on a I know it's ironic, isn't it? Um, you're too cool. You know, you're a hipster podcast. I'm too cool for podcasts. <laughs> I'm so I'm on a podcast, but I don't listen I to I don't listen to anything. I know, it's because I have an Android phone and I need to download the podcast application onto the phone. You can do that. I know, I know. I can, I just haven't. So, so you have a recommendation of something, though? Yeah, well, I was thinking about interesting books religious books that I've read in the past. One of them was... Christianity, <laughs> One of them was um, Year of Biblical Womanhood by um, Rachel Help Evans. And I've that heard about very that. Very fascinating. She's an amazing Very, mother. very interesting and made me think about... It, it makes you wonder, okay, seriously, what is biblical womanhood? What does that mean? What does that look like? And is it something that's really mm -hmm. real and attainable? Or is it more so culturally... Based and patriarchal. And, then, and patriarchal, yes. And then, um, in the same vein, AJ Jacobs, his year of living biblically, 
hilarious. So funny. Or where he throws pebbles at people because uh-huh. he has to stone them. And then, or where he, or where he brings his own chair around because he can't sit anywhere that his wife has sat when she's had her period. <laughs> yep. Or anything else like that. It's quite funny because he takes everything super literally, <laughs> and it's super, super funny. It's, and it's not funny in Orthodox Jew. It's called life. <laughs> True. <laughs> AJ Jacobs, though I've read articles about him, and he's very yeah his his current very interesting person. Yeah, he is really interesting. Well, and I'm saying that the funny piece, not because of the religious piece, but literally because of where he goes with it when he takes it literally, because he ta- he puts his own little spin on it. Oh, sure. So it's it's like oh, I never taking that literally. You were gonna, you're going to do that with that? Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool. I like okay, well, all right, whatever. So um, yeah, it's pretty funny right now his big project that he's doing is trying to figure out how everybody in the world is related and oh wow and, and, and he's got like a whole website and it talks about people and how they're all related and like people that are his cousins like he met with george bush one of the bush he because he somehow along the line he figured out that he was like a really 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 distant cousin and that's how he got his in hmm. to meet with him and have burgers with him so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> interesting guy that's awesome cool uh, I would recommend um, I'm going to change up the pace a little bit and recommend a podcast that is kind of absurd and just silly and I do a lot of uh, spiritually leaning podcasting and then get into some deep theology and stuff like that and so sometimes I need something just to kick back with something um, that's kind of fluff kind of popcorn um is that a term? Popcorn? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's also a food. Is it a food? I didn't know it was a food. Then. I knew it was a term. But, um, no, it's uh, the Doughboys podcast. And it's uh, by Nick we- Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell from the Rose- the Rose Boys. Okay. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's, it's about chain food restaurants. And they, inter- or they, uh, they always have a guest on, and they review a fast food chain or uh, a sit-down restaurant and you take it like really seriously but then they're they're both professional comics as well so it's it's really good and then I also recommend a TV show on Netflix called Rita and it's oh. Danish I've seen that yeah have you seen that well I haven't seen it but I've seen all of the like promos for it yeah because they just came out with a brand new season of it but it's like really really progressive I it R-I-T-A. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a blink the... But, it's um, not tricky. Yeah. It's not tricky. I made it, you made it easy for you. There's a spinoff, too, called Hiordis, but, um, but yeah, Rita is, is excellent, and it's, like, really progressive, and it, it makes you think. It's really thoughtful. Uh, it gets a little bit political, a little bit social issues and stuff like that, but, yeah, that's my plugs. Cool. Cool. Is that a wrap? Signing off. Signing off. Next time, y'all. Bye.